Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and this week there are a number of fantastic gallery shows going on. In addition to the Project Neverland show, which is still happening at Center Stage Gallery, and the Truth Be Told gallery show happening over at the Animation Guild, the Perky Nerd in Burbank is presenting a mermaid art show on Friday, May 19th from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Now, for those of you who may not know, Mermaid was started last year by veteran Disney animator Tom Bancroft, and it's an awesome event happening on Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr, where every day during the month of May, you draw a mermaid. Whatever kind of mermaid you want, you draw it. So they're having an art show over at the Perky Nerd, and the show is free. So make sure to check it out and get a cup of coffee, buy some comics while you're over there, and see what it's all about. I'll have a link in the show notes to all three of the gallery shows mentioned. So if you're going to be in the Los Angeles area this weekend, go and visit. It promises to be an excellent time. And speaking of excellent, I am very happy to be presenting my guest today, Jeff Schutze. Jeff is truly a renaissance man, as you will discover in today's interview. So without further ado, I present episode 43, Interview with Jeff Schutze. So my guest today is Jeff Schutze, and Jeff is no stranger to the world of animation. He is a freelance animator who's worked for companies like Glamour and Rooster Teeth, and he is also the author and illustrator of JeffBot, which is a comic that you can read today on the internet. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. This is amazing. I love this podcast, so this is super thrill. Excellent. And I love hearing that people love the show, too. So this is going to be a lot of fun because yeah. I have to ask you all the questions. Basically, I was thinking the other day, this is basically going to be that conversation we had at Marie Callender's. I know, I know. just recorded now for totally. everyone else to listen to. Yeah. So I always like to start, as you know, at the very beginning. So, Jeff, where are you from? I am from Sun Valley, California, which is just adjacent to Burbank, where we are right now. Nice. So most of my friends are from out of town. So being from here, people are always like, oh, really? Like, that's the weird thing. That is true. I'm yeah. originally from Bakersfield, and I get the exact same reaction of, yeah. oh, you're from California, because <laughs> no one else is. No, none of my friends basically are from California. All right. Yeah. And so when you were a kid... What were some of your artistic influences? Oh, man. A lot of them were comic strip artists. I loved Peanuts. I loved Garfield. You know, probably my biggest influence is Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, my mom got me the collection books and stuff, and I could not stop reading them. And I would just draw Calvin, Spaceman Spiff, everything all the time. But Peanuts was a pretty big influence. I loved Snoopy, of course, and Joe Cool and all his little <laughs> personas. But yeah, probably the biggest one would be Calvin and Hobbes. But then I had a ton of cartoon influences as well. I loved, well, I don't know. There's just so many. <laughs> name name one or two, because I know it could be like, let's condense all of childhood well, into. I'm trying to think of the first one. I think the first one was Woody Woodpecker. Okay. Because I remember... My dad got me the uh, Woody Woodpecker outfit for Halloween, 
and made me do that laugh. Every time (laughs) that door would open, I'd have to laugh like Woody Woodpecker. Even then I was embarrassed, but I loved doing it too. But then I went on from there to anime was a big influence on me too. Early anime, like I was watching Robotech and stuff when I got home and from school and stuff like that. You know, Akira was a huge influence on me. Like my mind was blown when I saw that. And then Ren and Stimpy was probably one of the biggest influences on my impressionable young mind. Because I was just like, wow, they can actually put this on the air? It was just amazing. And it hit me at the right time. But yeah, those are a few. So then something I didn't mention at the top is you are also an actor. So how did you go from drawing Garfield, drawing Calvin Hobbes, watching a ton of anime and other cartoons to... I want to be an actor and go on stage and be in TV and film. You know, I've always hopped around a lot. I've never really settled down on one thing. So it was like, I wanted to be a paleontologist. Then I wanted to be an astronaut or a jet fighter pilot. And then acting came along. So while this was happening, I was still drawing. So, you know, once I graduated high school, I was like, what do I do? But I thought I'd go into film first. And I did that. I went to Valley College and went into the film program, made shorts and stuff, and got an agent for acting. So I was kind of doing both of them concurrently. But then when I got out of junior college, I went to CSUN, and then I majored as an English major. And in between that, I was still acting too. And I don't know, it's just something, acting, drawing, all these things just keep going on in my life like I just can't get rid of them (laughs) you know it's just it seems to be the thing it's like wait this isn't going away maybe there's something to this yeah me alone exactly every time I've tried to get out and I have tried to get out many times (laughs) (laughs) because it's a brutal yeah totally grabbing a bucket no you must come yeah (laughs) he's bringing me back in like seriously I've changed my career so many times and somehow the art world keeps pulling me back in and somehow the acting world keeps pulling me back in so kind of animation is the perfect synthesis really of all this stuff because I had the going for the film degree and then I was like nah you know and then I went for the the English degree and I did enough art that I had credits for like an AA and I feel like animation is just the perfect synthesis of all those things because when you're drawing you're acting when you're making these characters and even doing voiceover and stuff is acting. And I think that's why I'm gravitating toward animation so hard. But if the right role came along, I'd be back into acting. You'd be like, oh, sure. Hello, yeah. Robert Downey Jr.'s out. Okay. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you about English because you are not the first actor who's majored in English. So, did you oh. pick English because you really liked English? Or was it one of those? I have to get a degree in something, you know, quote unquote, respectable to appease my family, or I love to write, or what was that? Probably both of those things. <laughs> I've just always been good at English. Like in junior high school, I just did really well at English. I had a great English teacher who encouraged me to keep going, but I had a great art teacher too that encouraged me to keep going in art. So. You know, when I got to high school, when I graduated, I won the English Department Award. 
so when I was kind of unfocused and whatever and trying to figure out college, I was like, well, I'm good at English, so I'm going to pursue that. And I'm good at art, so I'm going to pursue that too. But English seemed the more sensible thing, but it really isn't. No. <laughs> you know? I mean, Unless you want to go into teaching yeah. or really go into writing, mm -hmm. it's not that sensible. This is true, but I totally hear what you're saying because I remember I was a communications major and mm. I picked communications because I started off as a journalism major and some of my first assignments were writing obituaries and covering protests and oh, I did wow. not enjoy that at all and I wanted to write my own stories and if you do that in the newspaper you're lying if you're making up mm. stories that aren't real take note current events so <laughs> I was like I need to get out and so I talked to like the English department the history department and whatnot and I just settled on communication because I got in the honors program I thought, mm. well I need a major this right. sounds okay let's just do this and figure it out later yeah yeah I have found that English really has helped, not as the major driving force uh, of my life, but it always seeps into whatever job I'm doing. Even when I was doing graphic design or whatever, people would be like, wow, you can spell? <laughs> that's so sad. That's, I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, that's really great for you. But on the other hand, it's like, shouldn't that be a baseline you requirement of everyone so. you're hiring that they'd be able to spell? You'd think so, but when I was doing like web design and everything, so many people would tell me like, oh, it's so great. We don't have to check your spelling, check your work and all this stuff. They always need someone who can write. Can you write a blurb? Can you write some dialogue? Whatever. It's always come up. And working on JeffBot and stuff, knowing how to write stories and stuff, that's basically what the main drive of my life is. Basically, the backbone is just wanting to write stories and make stories and make characters and, you know, just have fun with that. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we will get into JeffBot. So I want to ask about this. So you get out of school, you have an agent, you're acting. What kinds of things are you acting in? Are you in commercials or TV shows? Like what, what started you off on that? Yeah, I was in a lot of commercials, <laughs> a lot of bad commercials, a lot of... Oh, what were the bad commercials? Well, this one's not necessarily bad, but it's hilarious. Okay. I was in a Japanese commercial for, I don't even know what it was. It was like a jazz instrument company or something there. And I was, they put me on an ostrich. <laughs> so that ostrich jockey thing is real? The ostrich jockey thing is real. Oh, that's funny. See, yeah. I always thought that was just like, this is a funny thing I can say about myself. I'm like, oh, it's no, like, I can put it there because it is real. <laughs> yeah, and I was all they also I was wearing a three piece suit and a headband playing a trumpet while riding on this ostrich. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> sounds very unsafe. It was totally unsafe, and I fell off it a bunch of times. And you can tell birds are descended from dinosaurs because <laughs> when you're about to get trampled by the talons of an mm -hmm. ostrich you can see those things are monsters oh yeah you know? i've seen them at the zoo they don't look particularly friendly no they aren't and they'll bite at anything shiny oh. and they can't put a saddle on it because then it'd be too heavy so it's just like a leather strap and you're just you have to just tuck your knees underneath their drums you just have to press your legs oh, to gosh. hold on and especially if you're playing a trumpet you there's nothing you know <laughs> and we were filming that all day in orange county and i fell off that thing probably 10 times and was just a mess by the end of it 
So can all your fans find this on YouTube? If they Google Jeff Schutze ostrich jockey, will this will this come up? No, unfortunately, if anyone finds it, I would love to have a copy of it. Though. It was a non-union shoot, so they never gave me any tape of it. But I think the company was called Big Steps. So if anyone's in Japan and can find this commercial, right. I would love to see it. All right, it. international listeners, you now have a, yeah. a task. Find <laughs> I want to see this. Find this. This is uh, That sounds painful and amazing. Yeah. So it's, that's where the ostrich shaki comes in. But then I did like a Mazda commercial. I was in Unsolved Mysteries. Remember that Unsolved show? Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah, it was in the, uh, the one for the Black Dahlia I was this kid working in the mailroom that finds the evidence, you know, because the killer was, you know, (laughs) sending evidence to the post office. And it's so funny because when you watch it, you can see me drop some of the evidence like accidentally because they have just this whole like, you know, I'm holding an envelope and a bunch Mm -hmm. of paper and I'm trying to like leaf through it with one hand for Uh the for the shot. And you can see just like a little paper fall out and it's like. Well, that's why they never caught the killer because <laughs> I dropped the evidence. It's like when yeah. you're putting together like a bike. It's like, is this screw important? Nah, I'm sure it'll still ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's fine. <laughs> I'm surprised the editor didn't see that and was like, hmm, I need another take. Of the, you know, press like, I was like, no, it's like we have to get this ready. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. But yeah, that was that was fun. And so then your comic then is about Jeff Bot, which is basically it's an autobiographical or semi-autobiographical account of you. And your life and your family and your friends and what it's like for a multi-ethnic actor in LA so I'm assuming that just grew out of all of your acting experiences and you just decided to do a comic about it or what what was it that led you to make a comic totally I did want to put just there's so many funny and bizarre experiences that come out of acting and yeah just being a multi-ethnic person in a way, you know, there's so much comedy to come out of Oh that. no, what, is anything you can share that... Well, the first comic strip is basically, that was a true one where I'm talking about being German, Japanese, and Italian, and being part of the axis, you know, of evil, <laughs> but I use my powers for good. Stuff like that, it's just too bizarre not to write down and make fun of so there's a lot of that and yeah just having a Japanese mother and a German father it's just there's just comedy there <laughs> you know it's almost like a sitcom and I did want it to be kind of more autobiographical at first but then all these funny little stories would just pop up in my head and so that's where the semi-autobiographical comes in because there's so much fantasy that wove its way in that started from a real place, but I just couldn't resist finding where those stories were going to go. So now it's become super fantastical. But I like going from the fantasy back to the real elements, back to my family, back to my friends, and then back to fantasy again. I think a lot of the readers like that too. But they're always asking me like, well, is the scarf coming alive? Is that a real thing? <laughs> no, but the scarf that my sister knitted me when she was trying to work out her anger issues, that's a real thing that happened, you know? And then it just kind of turned into the angry scarf, which turned into a sentient living thing in the comic strip. So, And yeah. that was always my question, too, because I was reading the comic before we met, and I used mm-hmm. to wonder as I read this, 
how much of this is real and how much is not? Like, I knew the acting part is real, and I assumed you had, you know, I knew you had parents and sisters because you'd have pictures of them, and I knew your right. roommate was real. But then, you know, scrawn and, <laughs> you know, hamsters from space and whatnot. I'm like, and then the whole Will Wheaton storyline, I'm like, did he actually meet Will Wheaton? That might be true. I'm like, I don't I did meet Will Wheaton, yeah. And, you know, before I did that storyline, I even, I emailed him and asked him if it was cool if I incorporated him into the comic strip. And he was like, totally cool with it. But then my sister attacked him kind of <laughs> at a Comic-Con and I haven't talked to him since. Oh, no. So. Physically or like, well, did you she know, just start yelling at him? What's no, no, <laughs> she's just very manic. You know, this is Linda the evil sister and she's just kind of like wanted to take a picture with him or whatever i don't even know if she even knew who he was but a lot of people are kind of hands off and don't like to be touched to whatever. and she was just kind of like ah, you know selfie time and whatever so so she terrorized I haven't talked to him, him. since he, yeah. <laughs> he was like jeff's cool but if i go to say hi his sister might yeah hug me again yes again <laughs> yeah that actually brings up another question i have which is I admire how much of your real life you do put in the story because mm -hmm. I have a very interesting and colorful family and yeah. I don't know if I'd have the guts to do a comic about them. So when you're doing a comic that involves your family and friends, are you screening <laughs> these stories by them or is it more of, well, hey guys, since you're in my life, guess what? You get to be famous. You're welcome. Well, sometimes. sometimes If it's something that's personal like super personal I will screen it you know I'll just be like hey I'm thinking about talking about such and such and they've never told me no that's the great thing they never said oh no that's too personal or whatever but I think they kind of trust me now because I've never exploited it just for like to make fun of it there's usually a point or if it's for laughs it's <laughs> we're laughing with them or whatever we're not just laughing at them and the same thing with my friends if i'm going to bring them up in the comic strip i'll ask them if it's cool but usually i'll twist it enough so that they won't even know it's them i'm talking about oh, really? yeah they don't even look and they just go huh this character this character is so odd how did you <laughs> yeah. come up with this no reason just the imagination right right but even then none of my friends have ever told me no you have very good friends. Yeah. yeah. Very understanding. So then, I do. I know the part of the comic you were acting, and then during some part of it, too, I remember you had mentioned that you started working at a multimedia company. And so how did that come about, like the switch from going to acting to more like multimedia and animation? Yeah, I was working at this security company, this international security company, and I was doing flash tutorials for them where I would draw, you know, security guards and then use action script to, you know, if there's an electrical fire, which extinguisher do you use, you know? And the whole department got canned. <laughs> and I was making really good money and I worked for them for a long time. But it was like the best thing that could have happened to me because I could still be working there. And this was years ago because it was just so easy just to, you know, cash that check. But while I was still doing my webcomic and going to Comic-Cons and stuff, 
But what I really wanted to do is get into animation. And it's just that requires such a focus that I couldn't I couldn't get that focus when I was at this company. But once I got fired, I started taking classes at the Art Institute in Burbank. And it was just I mean, it's that whole luck and preparation thing where I took a uh, storyboarding class along with a bunch of, you know, gesture drawing, whatever. But I took this storyboarding class and my friend who was working at College Humor just emailed me out of the blue and she was like, hey, you know, we need a storyboard artist for this thing we're doing. Are you interested? Because she knew I was an artist and I was like, well, as a matter of fact, you know, I can do, you know, and she, they needed a storyboard artist. So because I had just taken that class, I had all these storyboards like as homework. So I just sent my homework over there and said like, you know, check this out. And they were like, great, you're hired. So I started working for them and that led to, you know, more jobs at College Humor. And then another buddy of mine who worked at College Humor, he started working for this other company it's a production company called Sawhorse. They started uh, working with Rooster Teeth and they needed an animator. And, you know, I was doing animation classes, you know, although, you know, I had been working in, in Flash a long time. So, yeah, they were just like, hey, you know, we're working with Rooster Teeth on this show. It's called the Rooster Teeth Entertainment System out on the West Coast. Do you want to do some cartoons? You know, we need an animator. And I was like, yes even though i was like wow i've never animated something for a company this big you know and not for myself but i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna jump in if i have to stay up 24 if i have to hire people i'm going to get this done i just i knew i had the you know i could draw and i could animate and so i was just confident in myself that yeah no matter what i'm going to get this done. So I said yes, and uh, we made six shorts. One was a Pokemon parody, one, and then the other five were uh, My Little Pony <laughs> parodies <laughs> called My Little Journey. And <laughs> it was so much fun. I had so much free, I cast, you know, I was able to bring in some of my actor friends to do voices. I did the editing, sound effects, everything. and just had so much artistic freedom worked with so many cool people and then the show got canceled before even they all aired but I got that experience and it was really cool and really fun so um that's how (laughs) my dealings with rooster teeth happened but yeah had a blast that's really good and then you've also done some work for glamour too so does that come from rooster teeth or was that its own project that came along yeah it was it was the same production company I'd worked with for Rooster Teeth. They were working with Glamour on some live action things, and I think they pitched this animated project, or Glamour had an idea or something, and they worked together for a w- women's series called My First Time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even I tell you the yeah, rest I of the title. Fill in, fill in yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. What entail. <laughs> yeah, you can go look at that on YouTube because I can't really describe it <laughs> since this is a, uh, yeah. yeah. Not I will own. say they are funny. Thank you. They, they, Thank are, you. they are quite funny, but for our younger listeners, when you get older, watch them then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were really fun and it was really interesting to work on those because, you know, they were very 
uh, woman-centric. So it was just kind of a schooling for me, like an education for me, where it was just like, yeah, you know, I would turn something in and they'd be like, yeah, don't make the V cut so low. You know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, shoot. Oops. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, well, okay, okay. <laughs> I can see, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And just getting a woman's perspective on a bunch of different things. They have, you know, a lot of dating episodes and college stuff and whatever. And it was great to work with those people. So, yeah, we're done with season one. And I'm hoping, you know, there will be a season two, but I haven't heard back yet. It was great. That's good. And so I'm assuming you were a contractor working for everybody. Were you in-house or were you working from home? Working from home on practically everything, except for when I was in the, uh, the voiceover studio and giving direction and stuff, you know, where we did rent out a, a studio for that stuff. But otherwise, when I got the job, I had this tiny little, you know, it's like maybe a 10-inch Cintiq or something, a Wacom tablet. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to need something bigger. So, you know, I bought a, a better MacBook Pro because at that point my MacBook was probably six years old. <laughs> and uh, especially since I was going to do the editing and the sound and all this stuff and rendering the flash files, it just, my old one wasn't going to cut it. So... And then, you know, I got the new MacBook, I got a 20-something inch Cintiq and all that, and uh, just kind of made this mini studio in my, uh, in my apartment, and it was great, because then I could write it off in taxes, <laughs> and I didn't have to go anywhere. I mean, that in itself was so freeing, because I didn't have to have someone looking over my shoulder all the time. Every so often, I would go into the Sawhorse, the production company, or whatever, but for the most part, they just gave me so much leeway and I could just roll out of bed, work on this. And I would be pulling sometimes like 20 hour days or whatever. But being at my own apartment and stuff, it wasn't that bad because I could just take naps whenever I wanted or just chill out. And, you know. But I loved it. It was great. And I love working, you know, independently working from home is Awesome. I love it. That sounds good. And mm -hmm. speaking of working from home, what advice do you have for people that are either working from home or want to work at home? Since you've done this, and I imagine you've experienced the highs and the lows. Yeah. Any recommendations for people? Well, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, like you said, there's the good side and the bad side. The good side is you can do whatever you want and you are fully in creative mode all the time that you want to be. The bad side is is that you become kind of isolated. You know, I'm already kind of a hermit anyway. <laughs> and really getting into the animation industry, I'm finding you really got to get out there. It's just like the acting industry or any industry you're in. You have to get out there and talk to people and meet people. And, you know, when I was working even for the security company, I'd be in an office talking to people, making friends all the time. So if I ever needed a job in security, <laughs> I was set. But because in my animation career so far, it's all been mostly by myself. It's like I'm not making those connections when I'm at home for weeks and weeks on end working on projects. So that's the downside. And it's good to get out and get some sunshine and talk to people and not be 
totally isolated <laughs> and a total little <laughs> creepy person. Yeah, so I recommend getting out. But yeah, I love being a hermit too. So. You love being a hermit. <laughs> I'm like, why do you love being a hermit? And I ask in full honesty because I am not a hermit. Yeah. yeah. How does that work? Being a hermit. <laughs> I don't know. I've always just kind of loved. Or not, I don't even know if it's like, it's just, I've never had a problem just being by myself and just, I'm never bored. Like, you know, when some people are like, oh, you know, I'm so bored. It's like, really? Like, I am never bored. And I can be, I cannot leave my apartment for months and I will never oh, no. be bored. <laughs> well, no, you know. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm very good at entertaining myself. <laughs> If that's, that sounds that's, okay. That's good. That's good. That's, that's what you, I, I hope you don't stay. If I don't see you from what's on, yeah. make sure to be like, hey, <laughs> make sure and pull alive. me out of there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. And it's so weird that I did acclimate to being an independent animator for so long or just so fast because in that desk job I had, I would be driving like 35 miles to and then 35 miles back in like living the whole office life and all that stuff but once I had a chance to work on my own it was just like yes this I love this this is great never you know I don't want to leave here so what are your current goals now I know that now you're doing contract animation but I also know that you really love storyboarding so what is the next step the next step is really to work for one of the animation studios as a storyboarder so that is what I'm focusing all my attention on and the comic I'm working on getting the comic back in gear and starting to do those regularly again but while I'm in a little bit of a hiatus right now working on my portfolio going to events meeting people you know just staying in touch with people and getting into the animation industry that's my goal that sounds good and mm -hmm. What are tips that you have for people wanting to meet people? Because I get this question a lot from listeners, of, especially from people in high school and college. They ask, what should I be doing? And how should I approach people? And what should I ask? So you're kind of in the same situation, but you also have quite a bit of experience. So what advice would you have for them? For meeting people, just hit up the Comic-Cons, go to gallery openings and events and places where you know animators are going to be make friends with them on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff first and then just be genuine. I've seen it so many times where you're having a conversation with someone and then someone will <laughs> walk up and then be like, what do you work on? What are you doing? You know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And it's like, whoa, like, <laughs> you know, and then I can just see it turns people off. But if you just approach it genuinely and maybe start up a conversation that you had with them or remind them of a conversation you had on Twitter or whatever and just be calm. <laughs> <laughs> just try to like, before you go and talk to them, be like, and decompress. Exactly. Agree. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> yeah. Meeting someone for the first time, like meeting your favorite animator or meeting an animator or someone in the industry, you don't have to think about your whole career is writing on this one meeting you can meet them and then just be like cool I said hi I had chatted with them for a minute and then I moved on to someone else and like chatted with them and then maybe hopefully they'll remember me the next time they see me at a signing or an event or you know at a con 
And the more you meet them and the more you talk to them online, then maybe you'll strike up a, a genuine friendship or a acquaintance or whatever. But yeah, just don't hit that too hard. <laughs> you know, don't be, don't show your desperation or whatever, even if, you know, you really want that to happen. Mm-hmm. But. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds really good. And I want to go back to comics for just a little bit oh, because yeah. there are so many storyboard artists and animators that I've met that also do comics. Oh, cool. And there's a lot of people that are in the industry that want to do comics. Mm. And you've right. done a comic, and you've printed a comic, and you've sold a comic, and you've gone to Comic-Con, and you have a booth, and I've seen, I'm not at Comic-Con, but I've seen, you know, booths that you've had and whatnot. You need to come this year. Yeah. yeah. If I had the money. But, <laughs> well, yeah, last year was... We should a, talk. We should talk. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk up yeah. there. But for those out there that also want to do a comic, how did you actually do it? Like, how were you able to do what you're currently doing? Just doing it. I have met so many people or so many people that come up to me at cons, you know, and I was probably the same way when I was, you know, not doing comics, was that they talk about doing comics and they're like, oh, I want to do a comic so badly. Like, I love web comics or I love whatever. And then I'm like, cool, show me your work or whatever. And they just haven't done it yet and they're waiting to have the perfect character designs or the perfect storyline and it's like yes think about it build your world think about the characters think about the story but then do it don't spend another year thinking about it i mean you've seen my comic the first comics you know the first couple hundred comics they do not look like the comics now because the character designs have changed. I've gotten so much better as an artist. It's just like, I used to love this stuff when I was a kid, when I read like Garfield, going back to Garfield and Peanuts again. They do not look like they do at the beginning oh, no. to the end of Gar- the run. Garfield yeah. actually became quite svelte by the time yes. Jim Tavis got to the last book. Yeah, oh. and his cheeks used to droop oh, and he, like he yeah. looked all weird and <laughs> gross. But I love, there's been so many times where I've wanted to do the, I, I wanted to do the George Lucas on my old strips <laughs> and do like, just redraw those strips, even tweak some of the dialogue or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think back to when I was a kid looking at those comics, and I love seeing that progression. Because I didn't go to CalArts, I didn't go to you know an art school like that. Jeff Bott was, is my art school. You can see, you know, I'm up to over 500 strips now, and you can see my progression, like working on that every week honed my abilities. And yeah, so back to the question. <laughs> I would tell them, yes, just do it. Even if you put something out and then you want to go back to it and fix it or whatever, you know, you do a bunch of strips and you want to go back. That's cool, but do it. Just get it out. And don't worry about the merchandise. Don't worry about (laughs) going to Comic-Cons because this is another thing. People starting out webcomics, a lot of them are just into, oh, well, I want to have a table and sell plushies. It's like... After you do your first hundred strips, then think about that stuff. But when you're starting out, just get it out and try and do it on a regular basis and, you know, have a body of work before you start thinking about merchandise. It sounds like there 
going backwards. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to have all my goods and services and marketable products. It's like, yeah. but you don't have a story. Totally. That any of these products are based on. Yeah. So what are you doing? And you're doing it for the wrong reasons because you are not going to have a following right when you start out. It took me a long time to build up a following, but it's just because I kept doing it. And if you're just, if your eye is on, oh, I want to make merchandise, then you aren't going to have the stamina or the drive or the passion to be doing hundreds of comics so that you can get the hits and you can get the following and all that stuff. You have to have a love for it. And it's the same in animation and acting because like with acting, it took a long time to get a commercial or I did a movie a few years back and that took a long time and it was because I knew one of the producers and my audition went great and all this stuff. It's just, you have to be in it for the love of it in anything you do, I feel like. That is very sound. And I want to know too, how did you build up a following? Because that's something that a lot of people wonder about too, is they finally make something, whether it be a comic or a short or an independent film. And I know a lot of people, they make it and they're so excited, but then the marketplace is so saturated that it's like throwing it, it's like, you know, throwing a needle into a stack of needles and hoping that somebody <laughs> finds that one needle. So how did you, how were you able to do that? Well, first you have to have a comic that is different. If you have a comic that is about two guys sitting on a couch talking about video games, there's going to be so much out there and there's ones that are doing it really well. So I think that's a lot of why I incorporated my family and friends into mine as well, because I do talk a lot about pop culture, video games, and guys sitting on couches watching movies and playing video games and all that stuff. But I wanted it to have my own spin. So first come up with something that showcases your personality. And then building up a library is very important because... If you only have, you know, two strips up or even 10 strips up, there's this uh, system called Project Wonderful where it's like you put ads out on, uh, you know, you can send them to targeted websites like, oh, you want web comics that are humorous or sci-fi or pop culture or geeky. It'll target those websites. But if you spend a ton of money on putting out these ads and then someone clicks on that ad and goes to your site and you have only a couple strips, well, then great, you got two clicks, you know? <laughs> but if you have 50 or 100, then if that person likes your comic and goes through it, then that's worth 50 clicks. And then they might share it on their thing, which will get you more. And then it just kind of feeds itself. Like people start sharing your stuff, people start tweeting about it or reblogging it or whatever, you know, sharing it on Facebook. And then it just, the, it just snowballs. So I would just say, do it, <laughs> do it often and get up a bunch of content. Oh, and okay. conventions are really helpful too. So, and how many yeah. conventions have you been to? I mean, have you gone to, you've gone to pretty much all of them, right? Well, all of them on the West Coast. I used to do a bunch, you know, I was going to Phoenix Con, Seattle, what was it? Oh, San Francisco. Emeralds. Oh, yeah. 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 Alternative oh, yeah. Press Expo. Yeah, Alternative Press Expo. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Salt Lake City, you know, and then San Diego. But 
that was when kind of when I was kind of a web comicer, like I wanted to be a web comicer. But then, you know, you're living the life of kind of a gypsy. <laughs> and I'm not a gypsy. <laughs> You've already established you are a hermit. <laughs> I'm a hermit, yeah. And while I do love talking to readers and going, getting out there and promoting my comic and all that stuff, it becomes kind of a, where you're just making art to sell at cons. And that is great, you know. If I had the, you know, the drive for that, that would be amazing. And I, I was totally kind of going that way for a while. And then I was like, no, I want to make, I want to write stories. You know, I want to, I want to draw my own characters and have them, <laughs> you know, go on an adventure. And yeah, so I cut out a lot of the cons and because I just needed to focus, <laughs> you know, and so now I'm only doing San Diego Con for the past couple of years. I'm only, I only do San Diego Con because it took me so long to get to where I am there because they have this whole tiered system. Sounds good. And speaking of stories, so now you're doing your comic, working on boards, working towards getting into animation. What types of stories do you want to tell? And then second half, what kinds of stories do you really like to watch? Like what's currently on right now where you go, I want to make something like this? The stories I want to tell, well, I would love, you know, I've I've written a pilot for JeffBot and it's completely different from the comic strip. Uh, so it would fit more into like something at Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or whatever. But I think it's kind of cool because it doesn't rewrite the comic strip. It's kind of an extension of the comic strip. But I would love to make that. But I have some other ideas, too, that I'm currently writing, you know, scripts for and boarding them out and stuff if I ever get. So when I get into the opportunity to pitch it, I'll have all this stuff ready. But whatever I do, it's going to be kind of like JetBot, where it's going to have parts of my life incorporated in, into it, which, you know, I mean, every writer does that. And as far as what I am currently watching, I'm watching a lot of anime. <laughs> Still. I think as, as most of us are. <laughs> yeah. My friend got me a subscription to Crunchyroll for my birthday. So I've been watching, like, I love, I consumed Yuri on Ice. I totally flew through Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. I just started watching uh, My Hero Academia. On a recommendation from a board artist, I'm watching, oh, what's it called now? It's like an older anime. Shoot, I can't even think of the name now. But in addition to anime, I'm watching Loud House. I'm watching we Bear Bears. Steven Universe is probably my favorite cartoon going on right now. So I'm kind of getting a good mix. And it's really interesting trying to break it down, you know. And I'm sure you do the same thing. You, mm -hmm. like, break down how it's boarded out. Like, yeah. oh, the shots they're, they're yeah. choosing, the emotions, all this stuff. And it's so different yeah, between like, anime and American animation. Like putting it on pause and like thumbnailing yeah. it. That's fun. Like thumbnailing the scenes. It's like, how are they doing this action shot? How are they? What I've been doing actually lately is 
Because I used to just want to board out all the action shots. Mm -hmm. And then how do they board out when two people are just talking? Right. And how do you make that interesting? Because yeah. you have to have, you don't have to, but most American television, people are going to talk. How are you going to show that and have it be interesting so that people are going, oh, this is intriguing and not, wow, all right, that was, what time is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because once I did take storyboarding classes and I took a mentorship from uh, Chris Wimberly, who you know, mm -hmm. it's changed how I draw Jeff Blatt. I think you can get away with a lot more when you're drawing comics. But now that, you know, I'm really like my whole focus is being a storyboard artist now, I'm using those techniques in drawing my comics almost as just an exercise you know I'm not crossing that the 180 line all that stuff. and before I just used to like go <laughs> back and forth and <laughs> jump across just like, people are flipping back and forth going wait where are they in space exactly and in comics I think it's not as disorienting as something in motion but I'm trying to be strict I, and now I'm keeping an eye on my tangents and all that stuff just to keep myself so when I do get into the industry and all that stuff, or even when I'm boarding stuff for college humor, it's it's just going to be ingrained in my head. Like, I don't even have to think about it. So it's definitely improved everything I'm doing. <laughs> it's just like everything across the board. and like, ah, here's how it goes. That's mm -hmm. always what I always think is funny is I think back to school and I think of some of the first assignments I ever did. Yeah. And... The first assignments I ever did, I knew were bad. Like I, it wasn't even a, a while thing. While you were of, doing them? Well, while I was doing them, I knew, <laughs> but it was, and it was one of those things where I knew it was bad, but I didn't know why, and I didn't know how to fix it because I just didn't have that language and knowledge. So it was just mm -hmm. pain of getting through it. Then it became, I know it's bad, and here's why. I just don't know how to fix it. Then it became, this is bad, and I know why I can fix it. And then I start thinking, oh, this looks great. And then a year later, you go back, and you're like, oh, wow, no. This is this is not optimal. This is not okay. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's just this process of one day being able to look at it and go, you know what? This looks okay. Mm. I am now happy with how this looks. Right. It's, it's no longer painful. And yeah. some days that happens, and some days it's like, try tomorrow see yeah. how it goes you know I'm the same way and that <laughs> the emotional states you're talking about mm -hmm. I will go through all of them within five minutes <laughs> you know <laughs> while I'm drawing stuff like even now sometimes I'm just trying to figure out like did I not eat the right cereal this morning or something because <laughs> I feel like all the talent I had yesterday has gone out the window you oh, know no. like uh, yeah, sometimes, like, I feel like I just don't have it, and I'm getting to the point where that's okay, you know, like, sometimes I'm just gonna do some bad drawings for a while until, like, uh, you know, I get back into that groove and stuff, but drawing every day really helps with that. <laughs> how has, because I imagine it must have, how has acting and doing your comic book helped you with dealing with that? now that you're doing storyboards. Because I imagine, you know, when you're acting, you're dealing with rejection. You're dealing with having to talk to casting directors and having to be on set and trying to give the best performance. And sometimes they're gonna like it and sometimes you're not gonna get picked for the role. And then doing your comic, sometimes people are gonna love your comic. And then there is the inevitable, because it's the internet, 
you have trolls. You have people who either in person or online are like, wow, what are you doing? Stop now. <laughs> How has that helped you so that now you can just do what you need to do? Oh, man. You are absolutely right. The acting and the webcomic has... I feel like it has made me ready for pretty much anything <laughs> as far as especially rejection and getting angry or engaging or whatever. Yeah, when I first started acting, rejection was so hard because you, you take it so personally and you take it like, oh, they don't like me, you know, me as a person, <laughs> not oh, you know, they didn't fit the role we had in mind or, you know, whatever. It's never they don't like you unless you're <laughs> an, a horrible person, which I suppose could be. But <laughs> acting really did make it so that in anything I did, you know, whenever I was up for a new job or even making new friends or whatever, I just didn't take things personally because of that. I was just used to not taking rejection personally but yeah when i first started jeffbot i would respond to every troll and engage and be like really well let me you know oh, <laughs> like no. try and track them to see where they were coming from if they had a link on their name i would like oh, you were hunting like, them down yeah yeah oh. and really and sometimes it would have a benefit like you know i would email them or comment or reply to their comment and be like why'd you why were you why'd you say that you know this is and then give the reasons why I went a certain way with the storyline or why the artwork was like this and sometimes it would there would actually be a positive thing like they would be like oh I'm sorry man I didn't know like oh, wow, I was just like having a bad day or you know I didn't really mean it you know to sound mean oh they'd actually apologize yeah and that wow. happened you know, maybe 50% of the time, maybe a little bit more. But sometimes it would just turn into like, you know, this, yeah, this entire thread of going back and forth. Now, you know, if someone doesn't like it or like says something rude or whatever, I'll just be like, cool, man, you know. Or if it's really bad, I'll just be like, cool, there's lots of other strips out there, you know. But I never take it personally. And it's just, I never engage and go down that dark path wow <laughs> it's, it's just so easy for me now not to take it personally and because it is usually you know i've always found it's it's usually something on their side like sometimes they're trouble or they might even have you know it may be legit maybe this does look horrible or whatever but it's not worth it to engage it's just like cool man all right it's not for you you know, I'll try and do better next time. It, it really has, both acting and Jeffbot has have taught me so much and really prepared me for wow. pretty much anything. Well, yeah. now if you're ever on a show or working on a feature and you're like, I need to reboard this whole sequence, okay. Yeah, all right. Great. Cool. <laughs> that's, that's a good attitude. To, that's a really good attitude to have, though, because I've been, I've, I've known people at other studios and I've met people where it, just becomes a thing of how dare they do this to my art I am an artiste and it's like from what I've heard from people is you don't want to do that yeah. you don't want to become that person because then they know oh you can't accept feedback at all ever. right when I'm taking art classes at the art institute and whatever 
you know, if the teacher's telling you something, take it in, learn from it. If you're trying to defend yourself all the time and like, well, you know, this is what I was doing. It doesn't help anybody, you know, even if I can't imagine a teacher <laughs> giving you criticism that wasn't legit. But even if you had a reason for the way you were doing something, so what? Try something else to see if it's better. You know, you, you're only going to learn from it. That's good. So what advice would you give Jeff, who was just starting out in <laughs> animation or whatever other field that you've worked in, hmm. that you feel like if you could go back and say, hey, try this or do this or think of this, anything yeah. you would tell him? I think about this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just like, actually, prepare this dissertation. I've been watching a lot of. I don't know anime and just animation and stuff that it's like time travel like what if you could go back and like this one called erased where he goes back to his childhood so anyway i've been thinking about that and i would like to tell myself focus choose a path <laughs> like if you want to do film do film if you want to do acting do acting if you want to do animation do animation but or english i really think that all that stuff has really informed who I am. And if I didn't go through all that stuff, then I might not be as good a board artist because doing films and shorts and stuff in college helped me to have an eye for layout and all that stuff and for for boarding. And being able to write has helped me with JeffBot and making coherent stories and you know, the acting has completely helped with if I get more into voice acting and being able to draw an action and really have a character act on the page. God, that's been so informed by all the acting lessons <laughs> I've taken and all the, all the roles I've done. It really helps. So I think all those things really have kind of created who I am right now, and I'm happy with that. Was it a lack of focus, or was it just a lot of interest? Yeah, I think it was a lot of interest and a lack of focus. It was, I think because I was pretty good at stuff coming out of high school, and because I did love all those things, I did love movies, I did love animation, and I did love acting. Yeah, I could not not try. I could not not get into those fields. So I think even if I went back and told myself, like, hey, <laughs> pick one, I don't think I'd listen. Yeah, like, okay, man, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I'd always be wondering, maybe if I had gone into acting, I would have gotten, like, a really awesome role or whatever. So, yeah, I think... I had to go for it, all those things. Parallel so. lives. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. hearing this because I'm listening to this going, I have done almost all those things. And I <laughs> totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Because it is yeah. a thing of you like a lot of things, and then it sounds weird, but because you like a lot of things, it's I have to pick one that I can go to every day to support myself. Right. Because if you try to do eight things at once, you're going to be kind of okay yeah. at eight different things. And I've actually, I've always admired the people who are like, when I was 10, I wanted to do this. So I went to college for that. 
And then yeah. I did it. Twenty years later, that's what I'm doing. The end. <laughs> I think, how did you do that? What magic is this? Totally. My parents would have loved that. I'm sure. <laughs> You know, even, you know, pursuing a job in the animation world these past couple of years, like, my dad's just like, is that hard in an industry to get into? Like, all the rest of the industries you're trying to get into. But, yeah. I mean, I never did pursue paleontology. I didn't either. So I did kind of, I'm kind of yeah. sad about that. What was, okay, so for me, I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was six. Yeah. And I stopped because I read a book that said, people could be working on the same dig for 20 years. And I immediately thought, oh, I'll be old by then. Yeah. Ha ha. That's kind of how long it takes to get into animation. <laughs> so if I could go back six-year-old self, don't don't strike out paleontology. What was it for you? Do you just decide, you know what, I don't want to be in the Badlands of Montana? Yeah, pretty much. You know, my aunt got me this little model set or whatever. It was like a, a fossil of a saber-toothed cat. And you know, it was covered in clay and all this stuff. And so I did it and I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of work <laughs> that was a lot of, for one little this, thing. Do this for real out in the sun. <laughs> yeah. And then when, yeah, when you read more about it and then my, you know, my parents took me to, you know, Utah and wherever all these, uh, in the La Brea Tar Pits and all this stuff. You find out it's not that glamorous and they aren't just pulling full skeletons, you know, <laughs> articulated out of the earth. And it's like, oh, okay, when reality hits you, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's not just cool looking, you know, monster creatures. It's, yeah, it's a lot of boring work. Thousands <laughs> of bone shards in a crate that they have to painstakingly go through yeah. for years to figure out what's what. Yeah. And then even when they assemble them, it might not be right. They might find out in you know mm -hmm. 10 years that oh no that was completely wrong that wasn't yeah. even a four-legged animal <laughs> you know uh, and these are two different creatures that's not its head and that's not its tail yeah exactly exactly which i mean that's super interesting i mm -hmm. love reading about that stuff but yeah not enough to get <laughs> to actually be one i'll just read the you know the magazine articles and the internet stuff so yeah all right so is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners that we haven't talked about that you've been just dying to let people know mm -hmm. no <laughs> <laughs> okay then that's the end <laughs> But, um, you know, come visit me at San Diego Con if your listeners are going to be there. Probably the most exciting thing for me right now is getting back on track with JeffBot. Now that, uh, you know, I'm done with a lot of my the projects I've been working on that have been keeping me employed lately, and I have a little bit of time, I'm going to get up and running on JeffBot again. So I'm super excited about that. And also, for your listeners... If they put in the code AJ for Animated Journey in the bot shop, which they can get to at jeffbot.com, just click on the, the bot shop, uh, they'll get 20% off. Hey, you heard it here. Get 20% off. And the shirts and the comic <laughs> are really cool. I can say from personal experience, I own the comic. It's great. <laughs> Go out and read it. Where can people find you online to find this comic and your other sites? For the comic, go to jeffbot.com. It's with one F, but if you type two, you'll get there too. And Twitter, I am jeffbot with one F. 
and Instagram, I'm Shootzee, S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E, because someone took Jeff Bot. <laughs> so, oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, that's so now whenever a geeks. new social thing comes up, I immediately get Jeff Bot. For Is it someone. a fan yeah. site, at least? Or no, it's no, just, it's just some good dude. Yeah. Just a dude. All right, yeah. dude, if you're out there, give it back. Come on, <laughs> pick, some, pick something unique and original for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that's where you can find me. And you can find, you know, those links on jeffbot.com. All right. Well, Jeff, it has been an absolute delight talking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I, like I said, I love this podcast, so it's super awesome to be on it. Thank you for having me. And that concludes today's interview. Special thanks again to Jeff for being a wonderful guest. And make sure to visit www.jeffbot.com and click on the bot shop and use code AJ for Animated Journey to get 20% off comics, t-shirts, cards, whatever your heart desires. Make sure to check out that site. And if you've enjoyed today's interview, make sure to visit the Animated Journey on iTunes and give the show a review. All of your positive reviews help more and more people to find out about the show. And thank you so much to everyone who has left a review so far. I greatly appreciate it. And you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal button on the right-hand side of the screen. All of your donations help me to pay for all of the technical costs associated with keeping the podcast going. And make sure to support all of our sponsors, Loot Crate, Amazon.com, Audible, and BlueberryPodcasting.com. When you click on the banner ads on the animatedjourney.com website and make a purchase, a little bit of money comes back to the show. And that helps me to keep everything up and running. Thank you to everyone who has supported the show via the sponsors. They appreciate it and I appreciate it as well. And if you want to see what's going on in the world of animation, as well as other events happening in the Southern California area, make sure to visit the Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash the animated journey, as well as the Tumblr page, the animated journey.tumblr.com and on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And if you want to see what I have been up to lately, make sure to visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash sketchysoul. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at sketchysoul. So thank you again for listening. And as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.